Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, as you just saw, we're in a series called Living in the Spirit. We're actually smack dab in the middle of a five-week series. The first two weeks, I would say, were introductory to get us to the point where we are today, next week, and the next week, where we're going to give people the opportunity at the close of the service, as I mentioned, to uh, make a commitment to Jesus Christ and to uh, receive more of the Holy Spirit than you have in your life. This week, uh, one day, one of the folks here at New Life gave me a book. It's called Relying on the Holy Spirit, Experience the Joy-Filled Walk with God by Learning to Hear His Voice by Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley. Anybody ever heard of Charles Stanley? A lot of people listen to Charles Stanley every day. He's a great teacher. I, I think that this book is a great book as far as it goes. And uh, what I noticed was that he didn't talk about Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 8, 9, 10, 18, or Ephesians 5, 18, which we're going to look at today, or Ephesians 6, 18, or Galatians. He, he left out all of those, or 1 Corinthians 14. And I know why, because his premise is that the Holy Spirit is received by us when we believe, which we believe here at New Life, and that the Holy Spirit fills us, which we believe here at New Life, but that that filling is uh, sort of once and for all, and there's nothing more after that. And uh, the reason that, that I don't personally believe that is because of what the rest of the scriptures that I'm going to talk about during this series talk about that he leaves out in this book. Now, uh, I learned a long time ago, back, well, I'd say 32 years ago, when I was studying for my polity exam at Princeton Theological Seminary, that there are truths and forms to which people of good character may disagree. There are truths and forms to which people of good character may disagree. What that means is Dr. Stanley and I disagree about the Holy Spirit in this particular area. And I think he's a man of good character, and I hope that I'm a man of good character. Um, And uh, if we sat down and talked about the Bible from cover to cover, we would probably agree on far more than we disagree. But the power of the Holy Spirit is something that I have experienced from the time I was 17, and I'm 57, so that's 40 years. So I can't ignore 40 years of my life, nor can I ignore all of those chapters in the Bible. So what we're going to talk about today is the Holy Spirit once again. And when I say Holy Spirit, a lot of people think of a lot of different things. But my question is, do you think of a person? Because if I said Jesus... How many of you, when I say the name Jesus, think of a person? Anybody? Everybody. Jesus is a person, right? Jesus is a person, but he's also God. We believe that he's fully God, fully man. When I say God the Father, most of us still think of a person. But a lot of times, around the United States at least, if I say Holy Spirit, sometimes people, even Christians, go, huh? I don't know, that's sort of like that force of God, right? Sort of like in the Star Wars, you know? No, it's not like that. Because the force in Star Wars, although it doesn't exist, if it did exist, is a natural phenomenon. It, remember midi-chlorians, they're little creatures, they're microscopic and they cause, and they're in all things. They really aren't. But anyway, um, that's what the force is. It's a natural force. And we're not talking about a natural force. We're talking about God who is supernatural by definition. He created nature, but he's outside of nature. He interacts with nature, but God is supernatural. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the counselor. He is the comforter. Jesus said he is with you, and he will be in you. 
And that's what we're talking about today. The Holy Spirit being in us on a permanent basis and not only being in us on a, holy base, on a, on a permanent basis, but coming uh, and filling us more and more and more over the course of our lives. And so um, one of the reasons why we have trouble with the Holy Spirit here in America is because we like complex we like complex things. We live in the 21st century. Everything is complex. I mean, open up the hood of your car. I used to own a 1967 International, Har- uh, International Harvester pickup truck. Even I could work on it. It had like six pistons and an oil pan. I don't think it had much else. Now when you open it up, I can't even find out where the pistons are in an in a engine. Everything is complex. And a missionary named Johannes Omritzer from Sweden made this statement that I actually quoted back in 2007, the first time we did this series. He said this, remember, the simpler, the better. The reason many people in the Western world cannot experience Jesus or his supernatural work is because it's too simple. Unless something has 12 steps or 20 points, we don't think it could be possibly for us. And so what we're looking at today is something very simple. And this whole idea of things needing to be complex in order for them to be real is not a new idea. In fact, we can go back 3,000 years to a guy named Naaman, who was a commander in the Syrian army. Naaman had leprosy. And Naaman uh, had a wife, and the wife had a servant girl who had been captured from Israel. And the servant girl said to the wife of Naaman, if our master would only go to Israel, there's a prophet there who could heal him of his leprosy. And so Naaman went to the, uh, the king of Syria and said, could I go to Israel to find the prophet Elisha so I could be healed of my leprosy? Because my servant girl says he can heal me. And the king says yes. So the Naaman and some servants go off with a bunch of silver they're going to pay to Elisha and some fine clothing that they're going to pay to Elisha for doing this healing. And they head off to Israel. They find the house of Elisha. And, and the servant goes up and knocks on the door. And, there, and Naaman is expecting this amazing man of God to walk out in all of his splendor and glory. And he's probably expecting some kind of a magic spell or, or some kind of a task that he's going to have to do that's going to require a lot of effort. But instead, Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends his own servant, Gehazi, out. And Gehazi says to Naaman, My master says, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And Naaman is upset. I mean, he has traveled all the way from Syria. He has the permission of the king of Syria to come to this prophet. And this prophet is supposed to do something hard and complex. Give him some kind of challenge. And he says, dip in the Jordan River seven times. He goes, I'm not dipping in the dirty Jordan River. We have better rivers than that in Syria. And so he gets mad, gets back on his horse, and starts riding back to Syria. And finally, one of his servants, who's a lot smarter than Naaman, it seems, says this. It's a very great question. If the prophet had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more so this? You see how simple that is. If you'd been asked to do something hard, you would have done it, Naaman. This is easy. Why don't you do it? So he goes back to the Jordan River. He dips in it seven times, and we're told that his skin became like that of a young boy. He was cured of his leprosy. So simple. Too simple for some. You see, the reason most people in our culture here in America don't know the power of the Holy Spirit because when it's explained, you go, it can't be that simple. has to be harder than that. It's not hard. It's very simple. 
And not only have we been brought up in the scientific method, not only have we been brought up in this postmodern world where information travels at the, the speed of light and you can look up everything on the Google, right? I mean, our daughter had surgery on her hand a couple of weeks ago. You can actually look up that surgery and watch the surgery being done on YouTube. Uh, probably heart surgery, anything else, you know? I mean, you could pretty much do anything, I, I guess, if you had YouTube. But it's complex, it's hard, it's difficult. And not only that, we've been brought up in the trappings of religion, right? All of us, at least most of us, have some experience in some part of our background with religion. It might not be Christianity. It might be the religion of science. Sometimes science becomes a religion. It might become the religion. It might be the religion of Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, some religion. And we know what the religion teaches us. It's going to bring order and sense to our world if we do the right things. And if we do the wrong things, we'll be punished. And so we feel good when we do the good things. And we feel bad when we do the bad things. And Jesus came along and said, no, 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 no. It's simpler than that. It's a lot simpler than that. All you need to do is to come to me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In fact... How did we come to follow Jesus Christ? How did we come to be born again? If we're born again, it was so simple. Paul the Apostle wrote down how simple it was in these words. He said, if anyone confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. Confess, that means say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means master, owner. And believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. How simple is that? It doesn't get simpler than that. And yet so many people want something more complicated. I've had people tell me that over the years, I've been a pastor 30 years now, and I've had people say to me, it can't be that simple, pastor. There has to be something harder. I have to do something. Can you, give, can you make it harder? No, I can't make it harder because it's that simple. Now, living the life is hard. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Trusting Jesus is easy. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is easy, but it's still hard. To live the life in Jesus Christ. Now, what we've done the first two weeks of this series is we've talked about the promise of the Father. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, told the apostles and the rest of the disciples that were still living that they were going to receive the promise of the Father, with the promise being the Holy Spirit, and specifically that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from the time Jesus went back to heaven. And so that's what we've done so far. We've talked about that. And, and we could have actually gotten to the point where we are today the very first week, but I wanted to give people who weren't used to the idea of the Holy Spirit a little bit of time to get comfortable with, with the idea of how simple it is to have more of God in our lives than we've ever experienced before. So if we're followers in, of Jesus Christ, if we've trusted in Him, then the Holy Spirit is available to us in an ongoing way, which is what we're going to talk about today. And we've established two things over the last two weeks. Number one, we've established that the Bible is still true. If the Bible was ever true, it's still true. It hasn't changed. It's still true. And the second thing we've established is that the Holy Spirit has never stopped working. If He was ever working, He has not stopped working. And there are some who believe he has, but here at New Life, we believe because of what Scripture teaches and because of the experience of our lives that the Holy Spirit is still working. So the promise of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is ours if it was theirs. That's the premise under which we're operating today. And many of us have already experienced that promise in our lives. Some of you may not want to experience it. That's okay. 
Right now, it's a free country, right? We can do whatever we want to do. So you don't have to receive more of the Holy Spirit today if you don't want to. But if you want to, he's available. Now, we're going to look at a simple truth about the Holy Spirit that's found in a passage of Scripture that will be very familiar to us if you've been coming to New Life since Memorial Day because it's tucked in the middle of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. We read six of those verses during our Wise and Careful Living series. But before we do that, let's look at today's take-home point. The one point that I want you to go away with today and live out in the, in the coming week, and I want to live out too, is this. Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Would you say that with me? Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. The scripture that we are going to read, as I said, is Ephesians 5. If you have a Bible, you might want to open it up. You probably already have marks all over it because of uh, we've studied it for seven weeks, this particular passage. But let's listen to God's word as the Apostle Paul gave it to the Ephesian Christians. And that's an important thing. These were believers that he's writing to. More about that in a minute. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is true, always. And we thank you for the truth that your Spirit wants to fill us over and over and over again. Today I pray this, that each person in this room would know Jesus as our Savior and Lord and that we would be filled to overflowing with your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the key statement in today's scripture is Matthew, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, 18b. There's no B in your Bible, but it's the middle of the verse, the second half. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Wouldn't you agree that's a simple command? Be filled with the Spirit. It's not no hard words. It's not complex. It's simple. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, what we need to establish first is that Paul wrote these words to believers. Because if he wrote them to unbelievers, then there's no reason for me to be preaching to all of us who are already believing, saying that we need to be filled more with the Holy Spirit. So how can we prove that Paul was writing to believers? By turning to Ephesians chapter 1, the very first verse. Because this is actually a letter. And Paul told who he was that was writing, and he told to whom he was writing. So here it is. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. It is written to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May grace and peace be yours, sent to you from God our Father and and Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul would hardly have called the Ephesians um, holy people of God and faithful followers of Jesus if they weren't already believers. So it's believers who are receiving this news that they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As we've already established in this spirit, or in this series, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we receive God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because there's only one God. So when we trust Jesus, Jesus called it being born again. We don't just get Jesus, but we get God the Father and we get the Holy Spirit along with Jesus. So we all have 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in our lives. By definition, if we're believers, we do. If you're not a believer, you don't yet, but we can make sure that that gets corrected later in the service. But for now, we just need to simply agree that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit comes into us when we believe, because that's what the Word of God teaches. Now, if you don't believe because the Apostle Paul said that, what if Jesus said it? Jesus said this after he rose from the dead in John chapter 20. It says, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the apostles received the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus later said, right before he went up into heaven, uh, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit um, not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Brad preached about that last weekend. Did a very effective job of showing us the promise was restated by Jesus just before he went up into heaven. And he, he said that once we receive the Holy Spirit, we would have power and we would become witnesses. People who tell about Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In our case, Saxonburg, the western Pennsylvania area, all of the United States, and then the end of the earth. And so that's why the mission of New Life is to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. Because once we receive the power, that's our calling from God. Most Christians living in America today have not received that deeper filling with the Holy Spirit. And some don't even know that it's available to us. So, when we believe in Jesus Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit and need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's just confirmation of today's take-home point. Today's take-home point is each of us what? Needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis, right? Okay, so Ephesians 5.18b uh, in English says be filled with the Spirit. When you hear be filled with the Spirit, what you don't know from English is whether that's once or more than once. If it's once, be filled with the Spirit, then Charles Stanley's right. But the Greek says, it's a present passive imperative. The Greek word is pleirousta, and I know I'm trying to be simple, but I have to be a little complicated here, because the Greek word pleirousta is a present middle path, or, well, passive imperative, and a present imperative in Greek means ongoing action, be being filled. Like if I say, stop smoking, okay, stop smoking. In English, that might mean to put your cigarette out, or it might put, mean put your cigarette out and don't light another one ever right? So in, in Greek, I would know because it would be a present if I wanted you to stop smoking, you don't smoke ever. It would be an aorist if I wanted you to just stop smoking while you're in the room today. So it's a present. It's ongoing. Be being filled. It's a passive. That's an interesting thing. He doesn't say fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. He says be filled. A passive. And yet it's an imperative. How can I do something that I'm commanded to do if I can't do it? And, and here's a little illustration. Uh, here's, here's me. Here's you. We're looking a little peaked today. But anyway, we have some spirit in here because there's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A little bit in there. All right? And we're closed up. And so it says, be filled. So the only way I can fill you or me is by what? Opening myself to filling. So I take off the lid. And I always like to illustrate this by going like this. Fill me. The reason I do this, there are two reasons. Number one is it looks like a funnel, Right? It looks like whenever the Holy Spirit comes in, I'm not going to let any spill out, right? There's another reason. If you put your arms like this, if I say, everybody say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, everybody raise your hand. Say the same thing. Praise the Lord. 
You automatically can't help it, but for what, some reason, I don't know why. I think it has a connection to go. But anyway, okay, so I'm opened up. You're opened up. Now it says be filled. Here's the Holy Spirit. It was a little embarrassing last night. The Holy Spirit wasn't quite filling, um, but he is today. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, I say fill me up. You say fill me up. Please, please, please fill me up. And so the Holy Spirit is filling us right now. And pretty soon what's going to happen is that we're going to be filled the whole way up. And then what happens? We start to have overflow. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit fills us in our lives. We're filled to overflowing because there is no insufficiency in God. God is more than enough. He fills us up until we overflow. And when we overflow, that's when we can have impact. And, and that's what the apostles wanted in their life. And that's what they exercised in their life. When they went out as witnesses, they didn't just talk about God, but they prayed for people and they saw miraculous events happen. In fact, the thing that I want to point out today, it's very, very important is that this filling is not just a one-time thing as this book teaches, but it's a over and over and over again as the Greek tells us, but the Apostle Peter's life tells us. The Apostle Peter, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And so were 120 people, counting Peter. There were 120 of them. And they were in Jerusalem, as Pastor Brad told us about last week. And they went out into Jerusalem, and there were thousands thousands of Jews from all over the world there because of the celebration of Pentecost. And as they were there, um, they had different languages. They came from different language groups, different people groups, different cultures. And, and the believers all were able, because of the Holy Spirit, able to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so Peter talked to every, some people, and then everybody did. And there was a big uh, hubbub in the crowd. The crowd, there were two groups in the crowd. One group was going like, wow. What's going on? And the other group was saying, they're drunk. They're just drunk. And Peter stands up and says, excuse me, uh, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. The bars haven't even opened yet. But here's what's happening. And then he talked about how the Holy Spirit was being poured out. So we would all agree, if we believe the Bible is true, and that the Holy Spirit was working that day, that, that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Would everybody agree with that? We've established that, right? Okay, so... A week or so later, we don't know for sure, that it doesn't tell us how long, maybe even a few days, Peter and John went to the temple in Jerusalem at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for the prayer time in the afternoon. The Christians had not yet been kicked out of the temple, so Peter and John are ready to go to the temple to pray, and as they're uh, entering the temple, before they get inside, there's this lame beggar beside the, the road there, and he puts out his hands for alms, for money. And, and as he puts out his hands, Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any money. But I, what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And this guy, for 40 years, he had never walked. He, his, he stands up and walks. And he doesn't just walk. He goes leaping and walking and praising God. That's what we're told. And, and so people recognize, hey, that's the, that's the, the, the crippled guy. But now he's walking. And, and so uh, Peter gathers a group of people around, and he starts to do what he was told to do. Witness. Okay, you want to know how this happened? It's in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this guy was healed. And so people are starting to believe this. Well, the Jewish religious leaders were not very happy. That was too simple of an explanation, don't you think? Jesus died, he rose again, and now in the power of Jesus, this guy's healed. 
And they didn't like that simple explanation because they were responsible for him being crucified and they didn't want people talking about Jesus. So they arrested Peter and John. It was evening by this time. They put him in jail for the night. The next day, they get Peter and John out of jail and they bring them in front of the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. And they're all standing there. And and you have to think, this has to be a scary day for Peter and John. They're standing in front of the Supreme Court of the Jews and they're being asked, what happened? Now, it's interesting. If we read Acts chapter 2, or I'm sorry, 4, verses 8 to 12, it says this. Then Peter, the same Peter who had been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple. Isn't that interesting? Why would I be called to account for an act of kindness to a cripple? But anyway, if that's why you have me here... Um, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men, to men by which we must be saved. Wow. Did you notice, before Peter spoke... He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had been filled on Pentecost. Now he's filled again with the Holy Spirit. And the interesting thing, as soon as Peter said these things, the Sanhedrin was like going, wow, those guys are idiots. Because in the Greek, that's what it says. It says they're idiotes. They're common, ordinary men. They haven't been to seminary. They haven't even, they don't even, we don't even know if they finished high school. And yet, look how they're talking. And they noticed something else. These guys had been with Jesus. And now they're in big trouble because Peter has stood in front of everybody, the Sanhedrin and all the crowd gathering around saying, yes, it was Jesus who did this. And so the guys send Peter and John out. They get together and they huddle up and they say, we're in trouble here. You know, what are we going to do? And they don't know what to do because nobody could deny a miracle was done. And so they call them back in and this is the best they had. Okay, guys, shut up. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. And Peter says, which do you think is better? Should we obey you or should we obey God? We think we're going to obey God. So then the Sanhedrin gives him another like slap on the wrist and sends him out. Because again, there was a legitimate miracle and everybody knew it. So now picture yourself being in that group. Peter and John, you know, you're in their sandals for a minute. They have told you don't ever talk about Jesus anymore. You spent the night in jail. So you go back home to the group that of other apostles. We don't know if it was a dozen, a couple dozen, a hundred, what. But they went back to the house where all the apostles were staying. And would you have said, maybe, you know, the Sanhedrin is really upset. Maybe we should lie low for a few days. Maybe we should just take it easy here. But that's not at all what they did. In fact, I learned something very important from this passage of Scripture. Uh, What I learned from this passage of Scripture, it's just a continuation of of Acts chapter 4. When I go on mission trips, people used to say, I'll pray for God to protect you. Don't. Don't waste your prayer on that. Pray for God to make me bold. When I go on a mission trip, when you, go, when you go out into this world, don't pray for safety and protection. Show me a place in the Bible that says that. It doesn't. It says, make us bold. So here, I'm going to prove it to you right here, right now. It says, indeed, they're in a prayer. Peter has come back, told everybody what's going on, and he's starting to pray. He's praying to God the Father, and he says this. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Heavenly Father, your holy servant, Jesus 
whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, do you get the gist of what they just did? They had been told to shut up, don't ever talk about Jesus again. They go back home and they start praying, God, and I picture, this is just, to me, there's a very common similarity to the movie, Remember the Titans. Anybody ever seen the movie Remember the Titans? Okay, Remember the Titans is a movie about uh, two football teams that came from two separate schools, a black school and a white school, back in the 70s in Virginia, and they had been forced to integrate. So they go to football camp in Gettysburg, and when they get there, they don't like each other at all. They don't want to have anything to do with each other at all. But during the course of time, they actually were integrated in the truest sense of that word. They became a team together. And they're out there on one of the last days of the practice before they're going to have to go back to the school and face the real world. But they're getting ready. And as they're getting ready, the the coach has them out there. And the coach says, what is pain? And they say, French bread. And he says, what is fatigue? And they said, army clothes. And then he says, will you ever quit? And they say, no, we want some more, we want some more, we want some more. And what they're saying, what the apostles are saying is, we want some more, we want some more, we want some more. We are not going to quit. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, was Peter filled on the day of Pentecost? Was he? Yeah. Was he filled when he stood before the Sanhedrin with the Holy Spirit? Yes. And were they all filled again with the Holy Spirit right here when this happened? Yes. Okay, so I submit to you this morning that we must be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. That's what the take-home point for the day is. Now, there's an additional truth that we read in Ephesians 5, verses 19 and 20 about the Holy Spirit and how we know that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. How we know that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit is simple, because we have a greater intimacy with God. Now, men in the group, I don't want you to get nervous, because when we hear the word intimacy, you know, like we want to run away like our hair's on fire, right? Because intimacy is that ooey-gooey, mushy stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. Intimacy, as I'm using the term here, is a deep connection to God. And when we have that deep connection to God by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, it says this. Then, once we have been filled with the Spirit, then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that we're singing these songs to ourselves, in our hearts. Now, here's the interesting thing. It doesn't say what the words are. In fact, it doesn't even say if we'll understand the words. Because when the Holy Spirit sings through us, sometimes we don't understand the words. It says that in Romans 8. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says, I will pray with my mind and I will pray in my spirit. In other words, I don't always know what I'm saying because the Spirit is speaking. And so that's what it's talking about here. So the first thing that happens is we'll have this overflowing joy and we'll worship God because the purpose for which we're filled with the Holy Spirit is not so we can feel good. The purpose for which we're filled with the Holy Spirit is so we can glorify God. 
And the first evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul, is that we worship him, we praise him, and we have grateful hearts. It says we'll give thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this so many times over the years because it's absolutely 100% true. Generous people have the Spirit of God in our lives because generosity comes from gratitude, and gratitude is from the Holy Spirit. In our lives, if we want to know if the Holy Spirit is filling and working in us. In fact, I actually had a very interesting question. At the last service, somebody came up for prayer. Right over there, I was standing, and the person said to me, how, how come the Holy Spirit needs to fill us again? How come we don't stay full of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's two good biblical, there are two good biblical answers for that. One is we quench the Holy Spirit, right? We quench the Holy Spirit. It says don't quench the Holy Spirit, and we grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit means being disobedient. When we disobey God, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. And when we don't pursue God with all that we are, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we are quenching him in our lives. So he needs to, not because he's weak, because we are. We need to be filled again, not because he is weak, but because we are. So anyway, as we uh, think about this process of being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit, I want to point out one more thing. The distinction between the word baptism and filling. To baptize is literally to immerse. To dip or immerse. And so when we baptize people here at New Life, Wednesday night at New Life, when we baptize believers in water baptism, we will dunk them the whole way under the water. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it just means you're immersed in the Holy Spirit then to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the demonstration of the filling of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter five, is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine attributes, it's singular, the fruit of the Spirit is those nine attributes. So, I know some of you are thinking right now, it can't be that simple. It can't be that simple. Just ask and you get it. Just pray and he comes. It can't be that simple. It is that simple. God made it possible for us to know him in a simple way through his son Jesus. He made it possible for us to be empowered to live uh, in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the only question we really have to ask ourselves then is, do we want some more or not? Do we or do we not want some more? And if you do, then this morning will be the first of three opportunities. We're going to do this next two weeks, the first of three opportunities to do that. So if you're able right now, would you please stand? If you're able, would you please stand? And uh, we're going to do three things. The first thing we're going to do is close our eyes. So would you do that? Would you close your eyes right now? And the second thing I'm going to do is talk to those of you in the room who have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That means you've never said to Jesus, I want you to come into my life and take over. I want to claim the promise of the Word of God that says that Jesus died on the cross to rescue sinners. If you want to do that today, right now, all, you, all I'm going to ask you to do for this moment is raise your hand. Would you please raise your hand if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord before, never in your life, but you want to today. Would you please raise your hand? Okay, you may put your hands down. Now, the rest of us in the room, 
If you have trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, but right now you know that you've never experienced that baptism of the Holy Spirit where He's come into you in power and, 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 and given you the ability to communicate at a level you've never communicated with God before, where you've not seen that in your life. Or maybe you've seen that, but you, you're feeling empty today. Your Holy, Holy Spirit tank is empty and you need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Would you please raise your hand right now? Thank you, everybody. You may put your hands down. Now I'm going to ask you to open up your eyes, if you would. If you had your hand up to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I'd ask you on this card to put your name and address and then put, I committed my life to Jesus today because I want to send you a follow-up. And if you put your hand up to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to just write your name and uh, address and just put it right here in the prayer request thing because we don't actually have a place that says, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then turn these in as you leave the worship center um, after worship closes. Now, what we're going to do, very simple. I'm going to say the blessing or benediction. Then we're going to sing together our closing song. As we sing, if you raised your hand and you want to come forward for prayer, I'll be over in the corner. Uh, Mr. Miller will be over in that corner, and you can come forward for prayer. And if you have a need other than, you know, if you need to be healed or whatever, please come forward for prayer. Okay, after the song has ended, Brad, you're going to say that the song has ended, right? Okay. And then you all who are not coming forward may feel free to go out and have fellowship with each other, go off into a new week. Um, and I don't think I have said the commitment at any of the services so far, but it is simply this. I will be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis this week. So at this point, I want you all to go out into the world in peace, to love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Render to no one evil for evil but always turn back evil with good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all today and to the life everlasting. At this time, we're going to sing together, praise our Lord, and if you want to come forward for prayer, please do so.